Welcome to Freeze or Fawn, the podcast where I investigate the dynamics of relationships, the psychology of abuse and trauma, and share with you personal stories from survivors of abuse. My name is Sophie Buch, I'm a clinical psychologist from Denmark and your host of this podcast. Hello and welcome to People Pleasing Part 2. In this episode I tell you how to work on your people pleasing tendencies. In this episode I will be generalizing a bit and the recommendations and advice that I give should be seen more as sort of self-help. If you do struggle on a deeper level with people pleasing and the heavier psychological parts of people pleasing please do reach out and go to therapy. The advice that I give in this episode should not replace therapy. Let's get started. Letting go of people-pleasing tendencies. There are different arenas we need to work in. There's the outer arena, which is working on changing behavior and building healthy relationships. And then there's, of course, the inner arena, where we work on how we think, how we react to and deal with our emotions, self-esteem, inner voice, and so on. When I talk to people-pleasers, they almost all say... I really need to change this, I really need to just do that, I really need to work on this. And yet they don't do it. This is because it's not that easy. If it was easy, you would have done it. Give yourself that credit, please. It's safe to say that if this was easy, obvious or simple, you would have done it already. Once that sinks in, we need to work on accepting that you can't control your emotions. Nope, not possible won't work. If you're right now thinking that sure you can, you're thinking of how we control how we deal with emotions, not the arrival or activation of the emotion in itself. Think of emotions as one of the languages that your body speaks. There's tons of important information in emotions. Emotions were and are crucial for our survival and development. Emotions guide us and tell us about the connection and interaction between us and the world. I'm sure someone out there could make a really cool analogy about computers or programming or something like that, but I don't know enough about that to try to make one up here. Think of emotions as a different level in your system. Without that level or language, you would be lost. I promise you that. So, we need to work on accepting our emotions as a crucial part of us and we need to start giving them more attention. We need to learn the language so we can decipher their messages. We need to communicate with that level of ourselves. Now, accepting emotions and listening to them is not the same as acting on them. And this is where a lot of people get stuck. We get so overwhelmed by our emotions and think that the strength of the emotion decides that we have to act on the emotion. 
For example, guilt. Most people feel guilt quite strongly and struggle to not act on it. Same with anger or anxiety. Once we've worked on cutting ourselves some slack for not having rewired our whole system yet, and we've worked on accepting the existence and uncontrollable nature of emotions, as well as realize the fact that we don't have to act on emotions, we can start practicing some changes in our life. What we need to do now is figure out where the safest and most realistic start would be. We also need to commit to going into this with curiosity and self-compassion. You will struggle, you will stumble, and that's because you're learning something completely new while tearing down an old protection system. That's hard work. I myself am still practicing all of this because I too fall into old habits of fawning and pleasing. For me, it really started many years ago after the end or sort of end of a relationship with toxic dynamics, where a lot of my boundaries were greatly overstepped and I had to do a lot of fawning. That still affects me to this day, but it did also kickstart a desire to take myself more seriously, as well as expect others to do the same and committing to the consequences if they don't. So at this time in my life, I was making a a lot of new friends, which was in many ways the perfect way to practice being more assertive. It felt like I had much less risks. What I experienced and still experience is that practicing boundaries and voicing needs is quite a balance. Sometimes I stand my ground and become almost aggressively assertive, even if it wasn't necessary at all. Or voice my needs and repeat them in a situation where all people already validated my needs. It makes sense because my system is new in these situations. And sometimes it overdoes it. I try to be self-compassionate about it. And importantly, I rarely apologize for it. Of course, if I was very over the top or straight out mean, we should apologize. But I allow myself to see this as an experiment. Of course, this has led to some comical situations. One time, these great new friends of mine were trying to convince me to stay out longer. And they were really trying, you know what I mean. They really wanted me to go. They were pushing, giving me all the reasons why I should go. This is often a friendly thing in groups. And I did feel it was because they genuinely wanted me there, which is, of course, a wonderful feeling. This situation, however, is quite difficult for a recovering people pleaser. Even though I will admit I was also maybe a little bit drunk, I did feel the conflict within me between my emotions telling me that I really just wanted and needed to go home. I needed alone time, I was overstimulated and tired. But on the other hand, I didn't want to disappoint my new friends. That conflict in me kind of exploded And I ended up screaming no and running home with a pizza. And the night went on. They had a great time without me. And I recharged at home with my pizza. This example to some might seem very easy or low scale or maybe even unimportant. But that's why I think it is important. How do you expect to be able to set boundaries in emotionally high-risk situations if you don't practice in a safe context first? So the point here is start small, start with tiny situations where it might actually not matter all that much if you say yes or no. 
Let it be an experiment. What will happen now if I say no? Work your way up. So a huge factor in changing your people-pleasing tendencies is self-compassion. You need to learn how to be compassionate to yourself in this. A big part of people-pleasing is the relentless self-criticism. We have an extremely strong inner critic that is constantly feeding us stories of our worth compared to others. It might not be explicit and you might not be fully aware of this, but it's there. I urge you to try to notice this as a start. Try to pay attention to the tone that inner critic in you has. Is it explicit? Mean? Shaming? Demeaning? And do you listen to it? And whose words is it? Is it truly your own? Where does this narrative that the inner critic has of you come from? What you're doing here is practicing diffusing from your thoughts. Instead of being one with the inner critic and just believing the thoughts, accepting them as the one truth, in diffusion we take a step back and observe. This is a self-compassionate act because you allow yourself to notice, observe and investigate rather than going straight to the shaming. I want you to try to do this little thought experiment with me. Now that you've identified your inner critic, bring it forward. Really hear it. Hear what it's saying. Maybe even write it down. All those demeaning things. Write it down. Now, imagine you saying those things to a small child. Imagine raising your voice, raising your finger, shaming, belittling. Telling this child that they're too much, in the way, a burden. It doesn't feel good, does it? You would never talk to a child like that, would you? Now, bring forward in your mind yourself as a small child. Picture your little face, your hair, your eyes, the mouth, your little arms, your clothes... And now imagine telling this little child, you, that they're a burden, that their emotions are wrong, in the way, stupid, that they should just wait or be grateful or pull themselves together. Imagine this little child starts crying. Imagine that you sigh and roll your eyes. How do you think that little child feels? Why do you assume there's any emotional difference in how that imaginary child feels and how you feel now as an adult when you yell at yourself, invalidate yourself, shove yourself away as less worthy of care, love and attention? Why do you assume you deserve anything less than what that little child needs? Why do you refuse to take care of that child? You would never do that in real life, would you? So why do you do it to yourself? What I need you to do is be the grown-up that child needs. Give that child care and attention. 
Listen to their thoughts. Ask them how they feel. Listen and validate. You don't have to fix anything or remove any emotions. Because there are no good or bad emotions. They're just emotions. And the painful ones are just as welcome as the comfortable ones. From now on, I want you to practice treating your inner emotional system as a child tugging at you to tell you stuff throughout the day. Just because they're there and they tell you how they feel doesn't mean you have to do anything. Just listen and acknowledge. This is a difficult but powerful self-compassion exercise where we're also touching on doing inner child work, which is crucial in healing people-pleasing tendencies. This we most often do in longer-term therapy. Try to pay attention to it. Be the grown-up you need it. Give yourself attention and validation. Next, what we need to work on to break free of people-pleasing is bending the many rules we've set up for ourselves. We need to learn that those rules are not some sort of absolute truth and the world won't end if we don't follow them. Here I'm talking about the rules we've created throughout life about ourselves, our emotions, others and our relationships with others. People-pleasers have often created extensive rules about who we are in relation to others, the worth of ourselves in the world, and the importance and validity of our emotions as guides in existence. As people-pleasers, we follow those rules rigidly because we're deeply afraid of what happens if we don't. We've developed hypervigilance and constantly surveil our environment to be able to adapt to other people's moods. The rules are that we have to do that. Maybe because we learned that putting our own needs first was selfish, or maybe we learned that we should always be caring, humble, and self-sacrificing. Or maybe we didn't ever see anyone expressing needs with words. Maybe we experienced emotional explosions, punishment, invalidation, or silent treatment when we took up too much space with our needs. And we created rules as a strategy of survival. Well, it's time to bend those rules and test what happens. It will bring us difficult and painful emotions, but I promise you, it will be worth it in the long run. To bend those rules, we need to first practice becoming aware that we are even following our own rigid rules. As you might have caught on by now, all things we're touching on here starts with awareness and a moment of observing before acting. The same goes for following rules. The rules are bound tightly to emotional experience and thoughts. For example, we might end up in a situation where we set a boundary by saying no to something, which is good. But we have a rule of prioritizing myself as bad, so we feel guilt and start overthinking. Then we act on all that sometimes, straight away, by apologizing, over-explaining, or maybe even withdrawing the boundary. I'm sure you also have experiences of saying no to something, and then straight after saying something like, or, well, I guess, I guess it would be okay. Don't worry, I'll make it work, right? 
Now, for us to change this, we have to accept emotional discomfort. This will be uncomfortable for you. Then we need to identify our rules and observe them in action throughout the day. And then we need to find realistic ways to try to, as a start, simply do something different. Ultimately, this would be to not over-explain, don't apologize, voice what you need, stand your ground, be assertive, and uphold consequences if others don't respect this. But our emotions and autopilot will make this difficult. So we need something more concrete. An exercise I really like is called opposite action, and it comes from dialectical behavioral therapy. The purpose of it is to learn that the action impulses that all emotions come with don't necessarily have to be acted on. When you're feeling guilt, you might get the action impulse to apologize or overcompensate, but you don't actually have to do that. I know that when we sit here and talk about it, that's, of course, obvious. But in our daily life, we often just go with the action impulses our emotions bring. What I like about opposite action is that it buys us time, and it's very experimental. Again, simple when talking about it, not so simple when needing to do it, is to act opposite of your action impulse. So, if you get the impulse to apologize, what happens if you don't? If you get upset and want to withdraw, what happens if you seek connection? If you get the impulse to yell, what happens if you whisper? And so on. So what you need to practice today after this episode is... Realistic boundary setting. This also includes voicing needs and telling people how you feel, as well as limiting over explaining and apologizing. Practice noticing and observing what goes on inside of you during the day. Notice your emotions. Allow them to have space. You don't have to act on them. I also want you to reflect on this visualization of the child. Do some thinking on what your inner child needed and needs, and look at ways you can be the grown-up they need. Practice diffusing from your thoughts, that is, step out of them, notice and identify the inner critic. Remember to cut yourself some slack. This is hard. Be realistic and kind. A last exercise that I also like is writing down your rights. Write down what your rights are or should be in this world. For example, the right to be taken seriously, listened to, taken care of, validated, respected. Write it down like, I have the right to. Write it and hang it somewhere. This might seem like a small thing, but writing is super good as it activates different brain areas and helps us sort our thoughts and make sense of our emotions. This is what I have for you today. Thank you so much for listening. Try it all out and let me know how it goes.
thank you for listening to Freeze or Fawn. My name is Sophie Book. I'm a clinical psychologist and your host of this podcast. Make sure to stay tuned for more episodes and please reach out anytime. You're not alone. Are you interested in telling your story on this podcast? Please reach out to me. You can participate through interview and of course anonymously if you'd like. Or you can write your story to me and I'll be the voice of your story. If you have any questions or topics you'd like for me to investigate, please make sure to message me as well. Are you in need of help right away? Make sure to check the links in the description of this episode. You'll find all the information you need in the description of this podcast episode. Again, thank you very much for listening to the podcast Freeze or Fawn.